0: Welcome to this episode of Meet the Entrepreneur brought to you by Invest Africa. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by a woman who is not only a serial entrepreneur herself, but also a champion for entrepreneurship in South Africa and across the continent. Her name is Nobisa Mayema, and as well as starting two businesses of her own, she is now Strategic Partnerships Director at the Branson Centre for Entrepreneurship in Cape Town, where she works to support impactful and innovative businesses and entrepreneurs. Nobisa, welcome to the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, so to jump to jump straight in, then at the sort of at the beginning, um, as I mentioned before, before the work you're doing now, you you started two businesses yourself. So perhaps you can just give just a little bit of background about um, those businesses that you started, why you started them, uh, just your sort of your entrepreneurial journey, as it were.
1: Sure. So I started my first business in my final year of university. Um, what was funny at the time is I convinced myself it was a way of not having a job was to start a business. Um, little did I know that I would probably straight from the get go work harder than I would ever worked in my life and effectively create jobs for other people. Um, that business was a consultancy in corporate social responsibility. And now that I have the language, I realize that the purpose of that business was to actually get corporate South Africa to be engaged with young South Africans in a way that then it forms part of the nation building project, um, which maybe means I'm giving away my age a bit. So this was in the you know, mid 2000s. And then it was the second administration in South Africa's democracy. And so we were still talking about the nation building project. And a lot of young people were still not convinced that South Africa was for them. And so they were looking to you know moving abroad. And so by you know, mobilizing resources from corporations, It was important for young people to be excited in terms of what it means to be South African and to contribute to the project. Um, That was a 10 and a half year journey. My second business was a consultancy aimed at connecting women entrepreneurs to each other, to opportunities and to resources. Effectively, it was a business that was trying to monetize social capital. I don't think I did too well in that front, but suddenly I became a very good consultant, almost coach to women entrepreneurs, as opposed to driving what I thought this business was about. And yet I still think the purpose of that business was to really, you know, drive this idea that through relationships and networks, we can create sustainable businesses, particularly for women. And so from there, I'm now in the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. And I'll kind of just stop right there because I'm sure you have different questions in terms of what that journey is about.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And there's definitely a sort of continuity there that you can hear then between um, between those businesses that you started yourself and now, the work you're doing now for somebody else which we'll get we'll get we'll get into um in a bit but just to sort of stick on the on your experiences as an entrepreneur um previously then um how did you find because I'm sure lots of people listening will find this useful to know how did you find um just the sort of fundraising journey getting getting those businesses off the ground um, at the time, 10 years ago. And then my, I have a follow-up question for you, which is, is it is it easier now or harder now, do you think, working with the entrepreneurs you work with?
1: Mm. So I think what's interesting is that when I started my business, which was 2005, 2006, because, you know, sometimes you start, but you're not registered and <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, I don't even think the word entrepreneur existed. We We were talking about being self-employed. We were talking about being a business owner. And so raising... Um, capital, you know, accessing finance was pretty much a one-way street, which was you, you went and found a loan. And of course, that meant you went to a traditional financing institution, which would then look at you and realize that you're the biggest risk that, they, that they've ever seen in their lives. And therefore, they won't give you finance. And we have this joke that oftentimes the bank will give you an umbrella when it's not raining. And the moment it's raining, the bank will take away the umbrella. So for me, in starting my business, and you'll find that both of my businesses ended up being knowledge businesses, I was selling my time, I realized that the quickest way to start a business was to sell knowledge and then sell my time, which then means you've got an issue around sort of scale and replication, but that at that point, in terms of me not having access to finance and being able to raise um, is what worked for me. I was then able to use, you know, the savings and the earnings from the first business to then float me in the second business but again, I was still quite risk averse in terms of dealing with the bank. And I think the banks were still risk averse in terms of dealing with me. Fast forward to where we are now in 2020, 2021, because it's all one year. Um, we realized that it's a little bit easier for entrepreneurs to raise. It doesn't mean that there's sort of money swishing around and they can just access it. But I think we now have a second generation of people like me who are entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We've also seen, you know, different businesses prove themselves. We still get stuck in our ways, and so I still think that um, certain people who have access to funding and resources still expect maybe a Silicon Valley model, um, you know, fail, raise, fail fast, and that kind of thing. Sitting in South Africa, sitting in emerging markets, I think it's imperative that we also think about impact. And so what are entrepreneurs doing in terms of unlocking impact or driving innovation? And sometimes that requires patient capital as opposed to move fast, break, you know, rebound and that kind of thing. So um, I think raising capital is maybe not as complicated as it was a couple of years ago, but there still is some room to grow from actually the investor community.
0: Um, And if you were sort of speaking to your to your younger self now with the sort of the the benefits um, of experience and of trial and error, um, what is the sort of main piece of advice you would have given yourself to, to save yourself a bit of time along the way?
1: I would say build your squad, so not necessarily your team that sits within your business, but to build that network of champions, advocates, customers, and clients. So the relationships are the thing that will actually give you access to market, access to network, access to advice and insights, and even access to feedback. Um it's not always about the money, the money will follow, but the relationships also actually sometimes build in credibility and also build in a sense of authenticity and integrity which then is important then to those people who might be investing resources in you. It's not always about the financial resources. So don't worry about the money. Worry about the solidity of your plan.
0: And um, and I think that sort of that touches on something that you often see with entrepreneurs um, is that, you know, the focus all goes into the beginning. Um, getting, getting that first investment, getting something off the ground, getting your first uh, client, you know, um, and not much thought goes into then what happens afterwards or, or what you do maybe towards the end of, of your involvement in, in a business. And I know you've spoken about this before, um, about the importance of having an exit strategy from your businesses. Um, so, perhaps you can explain a little bit, why, why do you think that's actually that's important for entrepreneurs to think not just about uh, putting all that energy into getting something going, but also what they're going to do 10, 15, 20 years later?
1: Well, I think it's important that entrepreneurs view themselves as people. So we like to sometimes separate entrepreneur from the person. And so as any human being, you have certain bandwidth for certain tasks and that's it. Um, you're also good at certain things and that's it. And you're also Um, enjoy certain things and that's it. And that's not necessarily something that you can sort of shoehorn into a different um, version of itself. And so once you start understanding that, and I think that takes us even back to purpose in terms of why did you start what you started? Why do you do what you do? And what excites you the most when you're doing what you're doing is to almost work out that journey map and understand that you're going to hit a point where that sweet spot of what you enjoy, what you're good at and what people are willing to pay you to do may not apply to you in that moment that doesn't mean the business itself is not successful it just means you're no longer the right person for that business and so it's working out how can you still engage with this thing that you created or founded in a different way and not get stuck so that's almost quite a social sciency way of describing what the exit strategy is because i think Oftentimes, when we start talking to entrepreneurs and we ask them, what's your exit strategy? It feels so final um, and so black and white that entrepreneurs kind of get paralyzed by that thought because it's almost like you're challenging them to abandon their creation. Whereas it's saying, at which point does that sweet spot no longer satisfy you? And can you actually predict when that sweet spot can come so that the business itself can survive and you can go on to do the next thing? So, I always use the example of myself. I, it turns out I'm a starter. I love starting businesses. I love helping people start businesses. I love starting projects. I'm an instigator. I'm all those words. And so, it means that when I'm, whenever I'm involved, be it in a project or starting a business or even in my work right now, I am absolutely thrilled by the idea of pulling in resources and making something happen out of nothing. The moment it's time to maintain that or consolidate that, I actually start getting bored and therefore. It's important for me to be able to hand that over to the next person and go find the next thing.
0: No, you're right. And I think that's such a challenge for for a lot of entrepreneurs because um, because businesses that you start are so personal to to you, and you know at the beginning, it's just you um, and understanding where your where your strengths lie and where someone else is better placed to to take it on is a really, really um, difficult thing to do. Um, I can see. So, so in then I suppose in your experience, um, because you've sort of been through that that process and you've done things maybe um the the a different way around, many other people. You know, we I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs who have had a, a career 10, 15 years in um in finance or in consultancy, or you know, in some some something where they're working for somebody else, and then they they take that into their um into their own business. But you've gone the other, you've gone the other way around, and now you've taken the step out working for the Um, for the Branson Center. So I suppose, so why, how have you found that move? Why, why that, that particular shift? And, And it has to be a good time just to explain to people what the Branson Center is, what you, you know, what you do there.
1: Sure. So the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship in South Africa exists to change business for good. And so we're here to enable entrepreneurs in South Africa to be able to scale their impact in a way that's good for people, good for planet, good for profit. Um, and of course, we do that using the Virgin way, and we carry the spirit of our namesake, Sir Richard Branson. And so, it's also about how do we have fun, but also be purpose-led. And so, all these things can exist together and actually enable people to, you know, create amazing businesses and drive innovation. So that's what the Branson Center is about. Um, And we're very excited about different opportunities that exist in the South African economy, be it because we see opportunities, or at least we see then um, the possibility of engaging with global challenges that exist in South Africa. So we talk a lot around um, finding opportunities driven that, that will enable entrepreneurs in the zero waste and circular economy. We talk about create local, we talk about tech for good alongside many other things, but those are the things that excite us at the moment. Um, in terms of how my journey has been, in terms of, you know, walking the journey of, of having run my own businesses as be, as an entrepreneur and then finding myself being what I call myself an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs, for me it actually felt quite seamless. And I think I'm lucky again. It's always when you're at a different stage in your life and then you find the language and then you can now repurpose your story and it sounds a lot more seamless. Um, it's this idea that my purpose actually – for a very long time has always been driven by relationships. And so my purpose is to connect others to each other and to stay connected. So I always make this declaration that if wherever, whenever I'm in the room, it is imperative that I'm the most connected person in that room um, and chances are I am. And so if that's my purpose, it can sit whether it's in a business that I'm running myself or sit in somebody else's business or sit in a volunteer situation. If as long as I'm fulfilling my purpose, it doesn't matter where that purpose is then, you know, expressing itself. So when I was clear on that, I found that the move, the so-called transition from, you know, running my own business into being in somebody else's business wasn't as, you know, jarring as I think we assume it to be. Of course, it does help that I've also joined an incredibly entrepreneurial organization that is about entrepreneurs. But it was actually this idea that it still helps me deliver on my personal purpose and so where that sits, it doesn't matter actually. And so that's almost like a very diplomatic answer of saying that I don't feel a, a difference. I'm, I'm equally satisfied being an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs.
0: And I suppose, you know, being someone who enjoys sort of starting things, it, sitting in that kind of role, you get to help lots of people start lots of different things at the beginning of their um, of their journey. Um, and as I was sort of looking, um, you know, looking around for this conversation, um, I saw that you've got a quote up on your website from the big man himself saying business opportunities are like buses. There's always another one um, coming. But I suppose unlike buses, you've got to go out and find your opportunity. You can't just sort of um, you can't just sort of stand there and wait for one maybe to come to you. Um, well,
1: you, you at least need to be on the best route or at yeah. be the best stops are. Um, so you know, start there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So i was just wondering, and you know, have you got any examples
0: uh, really of how you in the Branson Centre work with people? I suppose to help them to help them get onto the bus route if they're standing, they're standing just adjacent to the stop, and you, and how how do you help them get get to where they need to be?
1: Sure. So for us, it always starts with purpose. Um, I think that's probably if you did a word cloud of this conversation, that's the word that's going to come up quite a lot. Um, When we work with entrepreneurs, we actually start at helping them or at least enabling the entrepreneurs to get to a point where they're able to articulate their purpose, um, embed their purpose and measure their purpose. And then from there, we start figuring out how do you then pull that thread of purpose across what we call areas of impact in their business? So how does purpose then show up in your brand? How does purpose express itself in your processes, in your planning, your partnerships through to finance? And suddenly, once you've actually got that golden thread of purpose through your business, you can actually start being able to articulate what your indicators of success are next month, in a quarter's time, a year's time, three years' time. And therefore, you can start developing your own sort of sustained growth and the journey of that. And a lot of the times, once entrepreneurs have that almost you know, 30-day plan, 90-day plan, one-year, three-year plan, that already liberates the business owner, the team from struggling or at least it helps the business navigate both through crisis but also through opportunities because you can start discerning what is right for your business and what decisions you need to make to move your business along your development plan. So that's really what we start off with with our entrepreneurs and we always walk a thousand-day journey with them in terms of them making sure that they have access then to to finance, access to market opportunities, so that they grow their businesses, either then through investment or then through customer acquisition. So it's a real thing, super bespoke. Um, we'd never do a classroom thing. Of course, you can imagine Richard would be completely appalled if he found out that we were making entrepreneurs sit in a classroom and learn off a textbook. There is no such thing. We let the entrepreneurs do what they're good at, which is run their businesses. We then enable them get to a point of understanding what success looks like.
0: And I'd love to just sort of talk a little bit more about the the ecosystem um, more generally in South Africa, but also um, across the continent as a whole. I mean, I, you know, we hear a lot now about entrepreneurship. It's interesting that you said earlier that um, you know when you started out, that wasn't necessarily the word that was that was used. Um, but now we've branded um, entrepreneurship and innovation, and um, there's there's certainly a lot of excitement about it, and and a lot of um hype around entrepreneurship as a growth driver. Um, so my question is a little controversially, how much do you buy, how much do you buy into that um to that hype? Is it are we seeing a real step change now um, in terms of the number of entrepreneurs and the sort of potential for them to take off? Or have we just sort of started naming something that was that was always was always there?
1: Yeah, I think we definitely run the risk of f- falling into what is trendy. And then sometimes losing out on the substance. And so, um, you know, where I sit personally, but also where I sit in the Branson Center, our theory of change is we think it um, starts being impactful when we're looking at businesses that can create decent and dignified livelihoods for a minimum of 100 people over 1,000 days. That's when you start seeing impact being driven. That's when you start seeing some sort of needle moving in terms of the fiscus. Otherwise, up until then, we're talking a lot about survivalist, self-sustaining, subsistence entrepreneurship, which at that point is just this idea of I'm self-employed and I've maybe got a team of five people who I can sustain on a minimum wage. Um, So I think when we're talking about entrepreneurship, we've got to then button onto that impact and so understand what impact are we trying to drive through entrepreneurship. Otherwise, what we end up doing is we're seeding lots and lots of micro-enterprises which is good for at least maybe solving for food security, for example, so that people can at least buy food. But is that then some sort of economic transformation? I'm not sure. So I also sit maybe on a controversial stance, which is I think we do sometimes get a bit trendy and we kind of make entrepreneurship one, the catch all when it comes to allowing for people to at least create livelihoods for themselves. And we also think it's then the be all and end all in terms of solving for all of our challenges, there still is a role to play for the corporate sector. There still is a role for our public state to play in terms of solving for certain challenges. So um, just waiting for the next big innovation to come out of an an entrepreneur is also sometimes some of those players almost absconding from their responsibilities.
0: Mm, Yeah, and and I think you you definitely see it particularly around sort of tech and companies that are um, tech-driven. And I think it's interesting that... um, I'm sure both your companies use tech and, you know, as as a tool, as we all do, but but not sort of tech based um, companies per se. Um, So how much are you working at the Branson Center between sort of tech driven companies and those sort of more sort of, you know, in quotes, traditional um, companies?
1: Mm. So for us, we talk about tech for good, where tech in itself is not the end point, but tech is seen as an enabler. Um, And tech doesn't have to be big, heavy duty tech. It can be just the smallest innovation in a process that then allows either for the amplification of impact or the democratization of access to a solution um, or then bringing inefficiencies to a business that allow for that business to then, you know, scale its impact out better. Um, So tech as an enabler, I think, is the thing that we're more interested in as opposed to it being the thing. And um, we're more interested in businesses that can create um, jobs, I guess, which is such a boring and prosaic word, but businesses that can create jobs for real life humans who can then spend in the economy, who can then, you know, grow the economy. And so when we talk about, you know, local manufacturing and we talk about the creative e- economy, uh, we talk about, you know, zero waste and circular economy, where it's all about making, reusing um, and creating you know things that if you can touch, feel, see, um, I think that's more exciting for us. Um, in a country that has such a huge use dividend, in a country that also has massive income inequality. Um, tech can only solve for so much. And unfortunately, it can run the risk. And again, I may being controversial, but tech can run the risk of further entrenching existing inequities. Um, and so in a country like South Africa. I personally, not necessarily on behalf of the Branson Centre, am a bit wary of us being, you know, overly focused on tech unless we solve for some of the sort of systemic issues and then apply tech onto them.
0: So, so is that why then you've, you know, alongside you've got your programs on food waste, you've got, you know, you've got a uh, a range of of programs on offer, um, you know, not not just. Um, not just focused on, on tech-based entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, so I think also, you know, the 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 reality is that in the South African ecosystem, and of course, we're based in Cape Town, not because the Branson Center is for Cape Town, it's just that at the moment, the team happens to be here. Um, you know, Cape Town and the province of the Western Cape have been identified as one of the tech hubs for the African continent. And so there's a lot of movement and um, a lot of uh, energy that's being put into tech, particularly FinTech, and so we're quite happy to to play alongside sort of our colleagues who are then focused on that and we will focus on something else. So it's not necessarily a rejection of tech. It's just saying that we'll let those play that side and we'll play on the other side. And hopefully the twain will come together.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. It's, you know, saying that there's more to this ecosystem um, and you need to sort of feed all all aspects of um of it to see to see results. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, towards the towards sort of coming towards the end, I always like to, to finish by or to start to wrap up by thinking a bit about the future and putting people um, a bit on the spot, because, you know, um, even though, you know, we've we've put some caveats in, you know, there's still a there's very very optimistic. Um, Trends, you know, here and you know, I wouldn't want people to think that we are anti-anti-tech. Obviously not. There, you know, there certainly are um, big innovations that potentially have got, you know, really wide applications. Um, so I'm curious in your in your work with the Branson Center, perhaps, or even the outside, um, given that you're you're interacting with lots of lots of different types of companies, lots of different entrepreneurs. Um, what sort of t- what sort of sector or trend is most exciting you at the moment? What sort of gives you um, energy when you're thinking about the sort of the future?
1: So this is both personal, but also comes through the Branson Center. I'm particularly excited about the creative economy. I think um, some of it is almost a sociological and psychological sort of um, response to a time where we've been in retreat and life has almost felt a bit monochromatic, if not black and white. And so when we think about the creative economy, which is, you know, this Outlet for expression and you know reforming and reimagination of identities. I think there's something quite special in terms of a sp- philosophical point of view. I think in terms of Africa and South Africa, it's about us reimagining how we tell our stories and how we show up in certain spaces, and therefore how we manifest in terms of objects and things. And at the end of the day, most humans are quite attracted to beautiful objects and objects of desire, whether it's adornments of the body or then things that we can use to decorate our spaces or to look at touch and feel. So I'm excited about the creative economy. I also think from a very practical point of view, there's an opportunity to upstream um, and upskill women who up until now tend to be the crafters when we talk about the creative economy, and yet the people who actually own the capital at least then derive the benefits from the creative economy are not those women. So there's a huge sort of opportunity to figure out how we can you know, turn that upside down. I think there's also an opportunity when we start talking about rural economies where not everything, you know, sits in sort of these big economic centers in our cities. And so creativity can come out from anywhere. We just need to go find it and enable it. So I think there's some real, real points of intersection in terms of what it means for creative industries. And so that, that really excites me. And I think that's something that's universal. The fact that, you know, if you come to South Africa and you go through some of these old caves and you'll find ancient rock art, Humans have tried to tell stories by expressing things through beautiful things in spaces. And so um, it will always be there. So it's not necessarily a trend, but I think it's something that can then be amplified as we go forward. And and that excites me. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's interesting you say that because a couple of weeks ago. We had an entrepreneur on who's in creative industries um, and he's based between L.A. Um, and uh, previous South Africa. Um, And he was saying, you know, if you want to, if, you know, people ask, you know, why would you invest in creative industries? And he's saying, well, just look at LA, you know, Mm -hmm. look at, you know, what is the power of of investing in your creative industries, you know, um, that's it. And sometimes it gets a bit lost perhaps between our ideas around um, development, uh, in terms of infrastructure and big investment projects and that kind of thing. And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, your sort of tech ecosystems, entrepreneurs, and then, you know, sometimes the creative industries can get a little bit lost um, between those two things. So it's it's interesting to hear, interesting to hear you pick that one up. Um, well, fantastic. No, th- thanks so much, Luisa, for coming on and speaking and speaking to us today. Um, I'm sure lots of people have found your advice really sort of, Really helpful. Um, and if anybody uh, would like some more information about the Branson Center, there'll be some, um, some links in the description uh, to find out a bit more. And you guys always have, you know, a number of initiatives on, um, a number of competitions. I understand people can uh, apply on your website for the, for the sort of uh, partnerships and uh, support on offer.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, and I really enjoyed the chat.